For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Father, humbly we come to you knowing that you have something to say. May we be all ears. We may think we have a response. We may think that we know where you're going with what we're learning. We may think that we have heard this before. But if we are all ears, then we will hear something new because it is you. Because it is your great um, pleasure to share with us your heart. So remove Carrie and I from this teaching. Let only your truth pass through our lips. Let us be surprised by the grace and truth that is spoken today. But let it not be a surprise for those who have read your word. Let it be so soaked in who you are that we recognize the reference to scripture, even if we don't give chapter and verse. We hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. When I was about to graduate from Liberty University with a religion degree, which did nothing to prepare me for the pastorate, <laughs> um, I realized that I needed two things. One, I had never had a preaching class, and so I needed to have some experience preaching. And two, uh, I needed to have some sense of what it meant to lead a church. I figured the first one would be easier to learn because I was young and stupid. So I started casting around to a, now now I'm old and stupid, I know better. Um, I started casting around to uh, some churches and one of them, this little church in Fairland, Indiana called um, uh, Fairland Christian Church. decided that they would come in and interview me just to, their uh, pastor was retiring. I told them, I can't be your pastor, but I'll preach for you. So they brought me in and they interviewed me and they decided they'd let me preach. And I preached once in May and then I preached twice in June and I preached twice in July. And then they asked me in August to start coming and, and sharing every week. I still didn't know what I was doing, but I came every week. And sometime in the late September, they approached me and they said, we think you were wrong. We think you could pastor our church. We would like to hire you as our part-time pastor. And I said, no, you don't. They said, yeah, really, we're serious. We'd like to do that. And I said, no, you don't want me as your pastor. And they said, why? I said, because I would change everything. What do you mean? So I would lay it out for them, the things that I felt like I would change. And they were like, that sounds really cool. Let's do that. I'm like, you don't understand. You're going to hate it. No, we're not. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> I know you think that. But I know that I don't know enough to do this right. I'm going to have to wait. And so I said no. 
preached in October, preached in November, preached in December. January, they came back to me and they said, we don't care what you say, we're hiring you as the pastor and we want you to start this first of the year. Here's why I was saying no. Because that church did not have anything to do with my thought process or expectations of what my first ministry would look like. I wanted to set the world on fire. I was worried that if I was in that church, they would put the fire out in me before I could light the church on fire. But the truth was that there were things that they could teach me that I couldn't learn anywhere else. And so he needed me to be there and to trust him to keep my fire lit instead of trust my circumstances to keep my fire lit. And I started realizing that following God is hardest when he isn't doing what we want. Following God is hardest when he isn't doing what we want. What I really wanted was to be settled into a nice fat church with about 700 people who had all the resources to do all the great things that I had in my head that was gonna change the church forever. S not single-handedly, I would give them some credit, but I would, <laughs> I would be pretty good at what I was doing. And if I had a church of 700, we could do everything I wanted to do. God sent me to a church of 53 and said, here, grow this first. And we spent four years there. And uh, the last Easter that we were there, uh, we had a sanctuary that could fit about 180 people in it, and we had 223 people mm -hmm. show up for Easter. They were lining the walls. And uh, they are the ones who ordained me. They are the ones uh, who helped me start the book, What Not to Say to Your Elders. <laughs> they were the ones who helped me understand that my response to God's call has to, have, has to come from my obedience, not from my expectations. So our consider question, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was gonna be talking about that. And uh, if it wasn't for that church, I couldn't be here. So if you're listening for Edlin Christian Church Elders, thank you. Here's the consider question today. How do you respond to God's call when your expectations aren't met? All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 of the New Testament, the very first book of the New Testament. Um, That's right. If you're in names you can't pronounce, turn right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, these are names I could see down the block. <laughs> yes, you're in the right place. That's right. So two weeks ago, family pastor Carrie brought us a really great sermon on Elijah. Yes. Right? And, and the story uh, in the life of Elijah that, that included courage, took a lot of courage and obedience mm -hmm. on Elijah's part to do the calling that God had asked him to do. And um, then last week, Carrie and Carrie, together, we taught on Mary and how with Mary, it, all of those things, that calling takes trust yes. and it takes obedience. And how risky it is. And how risky it can be to do that. <coughs> this week, we're telling the other side of the story. So, men, it's your turn. Yes. Today, we're going to talk about Joseph mm -hmm. and the man of God that he was and the things that we've learned in our study. Like Michael said, you know, 
you, I've heard this story since I was born, um, but to study it further, every time you study it, there's something new and exciting that you can learn, something that God reminds you of. Yes. And yes, Jesus is the reason for the season. But as you're going to find out as we talk, if it wasn't for Joseph and Mary and God calling them to be the foster parents of his son, mm. things would not have happened the way that they did. And so we're going to talk about that. Absolutely. So take a look for it with us at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and said, of course that's true. Of course. Oh, wait, that's not in the scripture, is it? <laughs> of course that's true. Yes, Mary, you're now pregnant even though we're engaged. I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit that did that. Can you imagine that first conversation? Can you imagine the trepidation that she had coming to him and saying, I know, at this point, she knows Joseph is a righteous man. And everything we see about Joseph from here shows that he is a righteous man who has based his life on the truth of God. He is a good Jew. He, has, he does everything is expected of him. And that's why God chose him, because he needed Joseph. He needed a man who could do everything that God had ordained for him to do so that there would be nothing in Jesus' life that would mar the fact that he was the Messiah. She knew he was a righteous man, but she also knew he was a man. And there are very few men in the world who can be engaged to a woman and find out she is pregnant and not wonder, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me that she had to go somewhere else? What's wrong with me that she thinks that I would believe this crazy story? And so he was faced with a choice to make. He weighed the, cons the alternatives, tried to figure out what to do. And if we follow back into the scripture, it says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, verse 19, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. It was going to be a disgrace anyway, but he did not want everyone to know it. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now here's why that's a big deal. Because adultery for a woman meant stoning. Now it may be that by the time we got to Jesus' world, um, because the Jews had been slowly relaxing the, the laws of God in some ways and so slowly making them harder in others, that she wasn't necessarily going to be stoned, but she was probably doomed to a life of prostitution, or at least there was no chance she would ever get to be a family woman um, in the regular way. Which also would mean, interestingly enough, the reason why this was so important to Jewish women is because they never knew, if they were at all from the line of David, they never knew if they were going to get to have the Messiah. And so if she, if she were divorced, she would be completely exempt from any possibility that she could have the Messiah. So everything about her as a good righteous Jew was on the line. And he said, you know what? It's already bad enough that this has happened and that she's come up with this crazy story to explain it. I'm not going to embarrass her anymore. Maybe they can hide her. Maybe she can go back and live with Elizabeth for a while. Maybe there's something that can happen where I, I, she doesn't have to worry about it and she can just be okay. 
He was acting on God's truth because he had the right as the husband to give her a certificate of divorce instead of having her stoned. He had that right as the husband to make that decision. But he also had the right to make it a big spectacle and make sure she paid for it the rest of her life. So he recognized that not only was God's truth important, but that grace was the heart of the truth of God. And so he acted graciously toward her. Then it says, as he considered this, as he was still trying to make the decision, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, I, here's what it doesn't say. Here's what I imagine, though. He's about to hear a messenger from God. He is about to have a moment where God is speaking directly to him. Do you think that's the first time that he's had a conversation with God between then and now? My expectation is this was a praying man and that he had been asking God to give him direction. And the reason he had not made any decisions yet was because he had not heard from God right. and he was waiting to hear from him. And one night, he finally, exhausted from trying to think of what to do, drifts off to sleep. And when he does, an angel of the Lord comes to him. Joseph, son of David, really important there. Mm -hmm. he, had to, he had to be a son of David so that there would be no question of the line of Jesus. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew makes a notation. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, I can't prove this. This is entirely conjecture. But Joseph, as a righteous man, was waiting to hear from a righteous God what he needed to do with what he considered an unrighteous wife. And when he does hear from God, it is to let him know that she is actually righteous and what she is saying is true. And I believe the angel reminds Joseph right there in the dream of this prophecy, knowing he is a man of God's word, knowing that he is a good Jew, and knowing that when he hears this, he will start putting the pieces together and will feel more comfortable with the decision. So he hears, I believe, from the angel, the virgin will conceive a child, don't you remember? She'll give birth to a son, don't you remember? He'll be called Emmanuel because God is with us, and he will be the savior of us all. When Joseph woke up, he thought more about it, took a vacation, um, consulted with his dad, and made sure that his mom was on board, looked went to all of his friends, said, what? no, it says Joseph did <laughs> as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not in any way share his intimacy with her, have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Now imagine, guys, just imagine this. The reason he does this is so that there is no chance that anyone will think that he is really Joseph's son. So that by the time the child is born, there is no chance they've never been together. 
But Joseph wants everyone to know he believes the story and he's going to protect the story. And so he does not lay with, lay with her until afterwards. And when the son is born, much like Zechariah, who with Elizabeth was told what to name his child, and he said, are you sure? I don't know if you know what you're talking about. How can I, you know? And the angel said, well, you're, you're not going to talk until you say his name then. And Zechariah finally said his name is John, right? Joseph is like, well, I learned his lesson. You know, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from someone else's mistakes. And he goes, his name is Jesus. So one of the things that I wanted to bring out was, you know, at the beginning of this story, like we said, Joseph was righteous and he was merciful. But at the beginning of the story, going back to 19, when those shocking words from Mary were given to Joseph, I bet his world fell apart in that moment, right? All the things he dreamed of over the past year being engaged to her. And, and we talked the last two weeks or, you know, about the importance of, of <clears throat> what a, a Jewish marriage was like, right? And that their engagement was binding. Mm-hmm. And all the things that he had in his mind. And the first time we see him, what's he doing? He's planning a divorce. <laughs> That's right. He's planning a divorce. So here's the thing. I prayed earlier about Christmas being a wonderful time of the year. But for some of you and for some people who may be listening to the podcast or radio station, yeah. you may be struggling this year. Yeah. This Christmas may be hard. It may be that you've lost a loved one or you've lost a pet mm-hmm. or you have moved to a new location and you don't know anybody or you've lost a job. There are a lot of things that can happen that can cause this time of year to bring back not-so-good memories, right? right? I mean, let's be honest. The hospitals don't empty out at Christmas. The funeral homes don't close down. Marriage problems don't magically go away. Rebellious children don't always come to their senses, right? And people still get hurt, and dreams can sometimes get shattered literally right around Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. The world doesn't stop spinning, Hmm. right? And for some people, they, they if you ask them, <clears throat> what does Christmas mean to you? It says, I'm surviving mm-hmm. the most wonderful yes. time of the year. Yes. You know, I'm not just living it, I'm surviving it. Um, but here's the good news. One of the best ways to have character, because, you know, this sermon series is all about character, and that's what we've been looking at. One of the best ways to have a character, it, that kind of character, is through grace and truth. We need to be like Joseph. Yes. He was facing a crisis, and he could have reacted in so many ways, but he didn't. He was merciful, he was just, and he was kind. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say that he ever spoke a mean word to Mary, to other people. Yeah. One of the things that Michael and I were talking about was, last week we talked about, how you know, uh, Mary's story and the birth of Jesus was in the book of Luke, and there was, and we firmly believe that God chose Luke for that first because he was a physician, and he could prove that this was a virgin birth. But even more than that, Luke would have spent time with Mary, and Mary's the only one who could have told her story. But the same goes for Joseph, right? 
And what I find interesting is, even though we know, we talked about this, there probably was an argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was probably not pretty. Yeah. When she told him what was happening and what was going on. He probably said some things he regrets. He probably did. But nowhere in Mary's recording of that and sharing of that with the disciples who later recorded it for us, nowhere does she ever bash him, mm-hmm. talk bad about him, yeah. hold it against him. So not only is Joseph showing righteousness and mercy, but Mary was too. And, and as a couple, what a great example of no, that. Amen. You know, and what that means. Amen. Joseph chose the path of mercy. It was a response born from stand-up character, and this was before the dream, before the even, angel even spoke to Joseph, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a stand-up character. Yeah, this is yeah who he was. I was thinking, too, you were talking about people who were struggling through December. I remember uh, ministering to a family... And they had had like three Decembers in a row right before Christmas where somebody had passed away. And it had happened twice, and it was about ready to happen the third time, and they were praying that it didn't and praying that it didn't, but it did. And we were having the conversation, and God just gave me a just an insight because um, they were like, this ruins Christmas for us. We, we can't experience Christmas the way everyone else does. And I just had a moment of insight, and I said, maybe... Maybe this happened around Christmas so that you could remember that this is the one who came to make all of this go away. That's right. His intention was not for us to experience death. His ex- intention was for us to experience eternal life. Right. And maybe because all of that happened in December, you can look at that and say, I know that this has been bad for me and I know that I didn't want this to happen, but it happened right during the season that reminds me that I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he will keep that which I have entrusted to him until that day of the Lord. And at that day of the Lord, guess what? They're going to see the loved ones again because every one of them had put their faith in Jesus. Right, right. So not only did it take Joseph was righteous and merciful, but the next thing is Joseph trusted God. He trusted the messengers of God. And here's the thing about angels. Not every person in the Bible who is given a story or told something ahead of time came from the angels. Angels were specifically sent by God to be messengers and and very important messages. And that goes back to what you said, which is, that Joseph would have known that. He would have studied the scriptures and he would have known. If an angel of the Lord came to him, this is important. And I've got to trust that. I've got to know that that is true. Joseph had confidence in God and we need that same kind of faith we see in life. First, we need to believe that God guides his people. God wants us to have Joseph's confidence. Right? He wants us Mm -hmm. to believe that he's going to guide us and that what he's telling us is true. He wants us to have Joseph's confidence, which is a part of Joseph's character. And we, we feel like, well, in order for me to really know, God's going to have to send an angel to, uh, to, to help me know what this is about. But we completely miss the whole point and purpose of the scripture when we say that. There is plenty of guidance for you mm-hmm. in the situation that you have today, in the circumstances that you are feeling today. In the, in the emotions that you have today, 
there is a, a multitude of opportunities inside of God's word for you to know how to handle your situation right now. And the value for us is that we don't necessarily need a dream to tell us if we have steeped ourselves in his word originally. And remember what I said. I believe Joseph was already a man of God's word. He was already praying. He was already in that place. So when the angel did come to him, it was to validate what God was showing him, not necessarily to change his mind completely. He had already decided a lot of things, but he couldn't get to the next step. And so God sent him the angel to help him get to the next step. But the angel did not start the process. The angel finished the process. Right. It was over 700 years. 700 years that prophecy had been given since God yes. had made that prophecy. But God kept his word. He always will. And we need to believe that God guides us. Yes. We have to trust in that. That it may take longer than we think. And things may not go the way we want them to, mm -hmm. but that he's going to guide us and we have to have the trust like Joseph did. We may not get it through an angel. We may not get it through a dream, but we get it through his word. It may not be a still Amen. small voice like it was for right. Elijah. It may not be you know, fire coming down and destroying another bull in front of the prophets of Baal, but God is going to get our attention and his word is the best place for us to receive that. Right. Um, he speaks today. That's right. And we also need to believe that God came to earth in a miraculous way. Yes. Yes. Right? In a miraculous way, a way that could never have been. God became a man. In infinite, eternal God stepped into time and space because he loves you that much. Mm -hmm. He humbled himself and he came down as a man. And so we believe that God came to earth in a miraculous way. It's the truth and we believe it. And then more than that, we must believe that the Lord came into this world to save us. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. He came to save us. The angel told Joseph in verse 21, You will bring forth a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He didn't just pick that name randomly, right? Right. right. Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation. Yes. Jehovah is salvation. So Jesus' name highlights the most important mission of his life which is to save us from sin and reconcile us to a holy God. So people ask, well, why did he have to die? Literally, this baby was born to die. Yes. This baby was born to die. I, I was reading something that a little girl wrote to Santa Claus, and she, she said, Dear Santa, I tried to be good this year. But it just didn't work out. <laughs> it just didn't work out. And you know it never will, right? Because no matter how hard we try, you can't be good enough. And that's because of sin, yes. right? But the good news is there's a cure for that. Right. God sent it through this baby, his son, into a Bethlehem manger. Boy, what a cost for the cure. Mm. And so we, we're grateful for that. And then we need to believe that the Lord came to stay with us. Yes. Right? This verse in verse 22 and 23, God called him Emmanuel. God with us. God is for us and with us. He did it on the first Christmas, and he's going to continue to do it now. Amen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Not only did he listen to God and obey then, but he also listened to God and obeyed when he took Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. He also listened and obeyed God whenever the wise men visited and came. And in the end, near the end of chapter 2, 
it talks about how uh, an angel came to God and let him know, hey, Herod is threatening your child. You need to take him to Egypt and stay there for a while. And Joseph doesn't even question it because at this point, much like Elijah was, he had been prepared with little things that God had done to show that he was there and he was speaking. And so when it was time, he didn't have any question. He didn't have to worry about it. He just picked up mom and child and took off to Egypt. But that's partly because he was reminded of the prophecy, out of Egypt I called my son. And that's one of the things that God said about the Messiah. And so he's called him out of Egypt. And then when he's 12 years old, we find Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple, to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover, which means he was religiously not just celebrating Passover, but going to the temple as he was supposed to, to be at Passover. And while he's there, imagine this, while he's there, Jesus goes to the temple. Joseph thinks Mary has Jesus. Mary thinks Joseph has Jesus, but no one has Jesus. He's at the temple. They go away and they come back and they find him at the temple. And Jesus' response is, didn't you know that I had to be at my father's house? And just imagine Joseph in that moment. He has spent 12 years raising this young man and maybe it's been long enough that he has kind of, he remembers where it all started, but now this one's mine now. And hearing those words and being able to stomach that and being able to continue on and to continue to be in a way that adopted father, almost like a stepfather. And I, I uh, you know, my, uh, my experience is my parents were divorced when I was eight and sometime down the road, right around close to my 16th birthday, my mom remarried a great man who has been with her ever since. So I don't know how many years that makes it, but it's over, over 30. it's about 38. 40. <coughs> and, um, I love my dad, and I, did, I thought loving this man meant betraying my dad, and so I didn't know how to love him, but that did not stop him from loving me anyway. So he loved me when I didn't want to be loved, and he received me back when I did want to be loved. In the meantime, he took care of my sisters in a way that defies description when they were not really his kids. So the big... Uh, the big thing there is that we call it today is bonus dad, you know? Joseph was a bonus dad to Jesus. And later on, Jesus is going to be, it's going to be said in John, the first chapter of John, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And yes, he got that from his heavenly father, but he got, also got it from his daddy. Joseph was also full of grace and truth. And he was willing to put up with all of that weirdness so much so that later on uh, in John 6 when Jesus is telling them he's the bread of life and they are wondering about him they say isn't this Joseph's son now I always thought of Jesus as growing up as like the bastard child and everyone knew but evidently that isn't the case Joseph so loved Jesus that everyone identified him as the carpenter's son isn't that Joseph's son? Not, isn't that that boy that Joseph had to raise? And that kind of love, you may be experiencing that from your adopted father or from your bonus dad or from your foster dad, or you may, it may be a grandpa, it may be an uncle, it may be a guy that lives down the street, it may be a teacher. There's someone in your life 
that is willing to be a dad for you so that you know what grace and truth looks like. And I just want to encourage you to reach out and let him know that you see it. I mean, Joseph, like we said, he demonstrated absolute <coughs> obedience to God's call and commands. And like I said at the beginning, we see the importance of Joseph and Mary to Jesus. Joseph, he did a lot. Of, he, did, he did the right thing. He obeyed God. Where would Mary and Jesus have been without Joseph? He stood in the gap yes. to provide for them and to protect them. Right? Think about the trip to Bethlehem they had to make just before Jesus was born. They had to go because of the Roman census. They had to go because God had prophesied that his son would be born in Bethlehem. And Mary was very pregnant, as we found <laughs> yes. out last week, a 70-mile journey to, yes. or more to Bethlehem. They were on foot, or maybe Mary was able to ride a donkey. Now, how do you get a very pregnant woman anywhere? Uh, very carefully slowly and carefully <laughs> especially when they're really pregnant and guys all, right? just all my women in the room say amen amen. And, amen and all you guys remember the last couple of weeks of your wife's pregnancy now imagine taking her on a 70 mile walk <laughs> so I, let, let's give some love to joseph he's That's able right. to manage that <laughs> he got mary safely to bethlehem then he got Mary and Jesus down to Egypt when Herod yes. was trying to kill the baby king. That was a journey of at least 90 miles again on foot. Yeah. Joseph also provided love and guidance during the early years of the Lord's life. And in Luke 2, he made sure that Jesus was circumcised per the yes. law. Yes. He took baby Jesus to the temple to obey the law of redemption. Yes. And later, Joseph took Jesus to the synagogue, like what Michael was telling about the story. And he would take him to the synagogue every week. Every week. The family also took the Lord to Jerusalem for the important feasts every year where they lost him. Yeah. Because Mary and Joseph were human. Yes. They were not perfect. Yes. And yes. what a great example for all of us that have kids. Amen? Especially They're those raising of us the Son who, of God and you lose him. Especially <laughs> those of us who may or may not have left our son at a church at some given time. Mm -hmm. The last, that's Could, right. For anyone who might have done that. I don't know who I'm talking about. Yeah, we, we might have left our oldest son at church yeah. once. Uh, you can ask us about that story later. Yes. Uh, the last time we see Joseph in the Bible was when the family had gone up to Jerusalem for Passover. And Joseph took the best possible care of his family. Yes. God had to select a stepfather for his son, and he chose a godly man. Yes. One who was righteous, who was merciful, and a man who would stand in the gap to take care of Mary and Jesus. Yes. He did his job, and he did it well, and he was committed to the point where people in town, like Michael said, said, oh, there's Joseph's son. Yeah. They knew him, and they knew Joseph. Right, And they knew that he was a good father. So here's the thing. God wants you to have the best Christmas too. And today we see it in the life of Joseph. God wants us to have Joseph's character. His confidence. His care for other people. And he wants you to stand in the gap too. That's what it means to have a character of a believer. Right. Okay. So the re really simple thing then for us to take from him that helps us to do that. Whenever Joseph was met with a circumstance that did not meet his expectations, 
whenever he was not sure what he should or shouldn't do, whenever he had a decision to make and had to weigh all the alternatives, Joseph waited and he prayed and he acted under God's authority instead of his own. He waited, he prayed, and then he acted under God's authority. Right. And if we do the same, whatever you're facing this, this Christmas season, whatever might be the tough decision you have to make, whatever might be the expectations that are not being met, whatever is causing you to worry and fret during this Christmas season, please wait and talk to him and listen to him and act under his authority. Right. So today we have three Bs for you. Nathan, yes. will you put those up for I, us, please? I, I, I've got control. You got it? All right, perfect. One, be respectable even in times of trouble. Be respectable even in times of trouble. I know when Michael and I have gone through some really hard times in our life and people have said, well, why didn't you just leave the church? Why do you keep going back? Or why do you still believe in God when your family went through that? Mm -hmm. Right? And I always say because life is life and yeah. trouble is trouble, but God is God. Mm. And Christmas... Hold on, hold on, hold on. You need to hear that again. <laughs> life is life. Trouble is trouble. But God is God. That's right. And remember, the Christmas season is about who he is. Mm -hmm. it, it's about who he is and why he came and why we're here. Right? So when we go through hard times, whether it's through Christmas time or others, be respectable. That's not something that is um, very prevalent today. Most people want to be offended and be offensive and are worried about... Um, whether they are giving up too much by being respectable. Uh, to be respectable is to be a person that is worthy of the respect of others. And when you are offended all the time, you cannot be respectable. And when you are offensive all the time, you cannot be respectable. So we're calling on you to be different, church. We're calling on you to stop offending people for the sake of the gospel. The gospel is offensive on its own because it requires a decision that no one wants to make. They have to give up control of their lives and give it to God. It is already offensive enough on its own. It does not need your help. And if you are offended every time someone who does not believe in the gospel does not follow the gospel, you are going to be miserable your entire life. Stop expecting them to act like they have your values. Instead, you act like you have your values. Be respectable even in times of trouble. The second one is be, put your, be trusting that God is true. This goes back to your beliefs, like I talked about earlier, right? We know that Jesus came as a baby. It's a miraculous thing from a virgin birth. We have to believe that, and we have to trust, even after 700 years of prophecy, yes. God, if God, and my daddy used to say, <laughs> if it's God's will today, it's God's will it's tomorrow. God's will tomorrow, yep. Yep. It may not happen right now when you want it to, but it will happen when God wants it to. Mm -hmm. And we have to trust in that like Joseph trusted in God. And the last one is be willing to stand for those who need you. Yes. This Christmas season, remember, and I know we hear this all the time, you know, give to a charity or, you know, donate your things and all of those things. Those are wonderful, but do it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Be like Joseph and stand up for others. Be willing to say, I'm going to walk this journey with you, and I'm going to show you that Christmas is more 
than just gifts and wrapping paper and Santa. It's about who Jesus is and his love for you. And I'm going to stand in that gap for you, just like Joseph stood in the gap for Jesus as his stepdaddy. And if you've suffered loss or you're going through tough circumstances or you are having issues in a relationship, then that means there are people in your life who are also going through those things. So what we can do is we can get so wrapped up on how we feel about the the season that we don't see the others who are struggling and suffering. And so I'm asking you to consider if it won't be healing for you to also choose to think of them and to recognize that if if you're going through that and you're hurting, there's a chance that they are as well and they need you. Who will stand in the gap? Who will be the watchman on the walls? Who will you pray for this year? Who will you speak to this year? Who deserves a $5 gift just to know that they matter to someone? Who gets a card? Because if they don't get a card, they don't get anything for Christmas this year. Who gets an apology? Even if they're going to refuse to apologize themselves. And if you're struggling, go back to the best of Christmas. Mm, yes. Go back to the best of Christmas, yes. which is all about Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. If you enjoyed our teaching today, we have great news. On January 7th, the JAR will be adding a second gathering. Starting with the new year, we will offer two times on Sunday, the new one at 10.30 a.m. and our current one at 4 p.m. Come learn how to be a disciple maker as God fills us so that we can empty for others. I am filled to be empty.